Education is the key to success. Go to school, get a job, and live a good life. That is the African dream. And Jay, is it just me or someone light to the masses? People are on these streets carrying their entire alphabet of degrees, and yet they are living hand to mouth. No one is questioning what are we learning? Why are we learning it? What is education? And what is success? Let's not forget, there's also a growing number of people with special and varying needs who do not even have access to basic education. I have to ask, is education in Africa broken? My name is Tebo Hakangota III. Join me every week as I sit down with experts, educators, parents, and students to talk about the state of education on the African continent. It's a lot. Welcome to the Educated Africana. bit of a sensitive issue as many would like to say but something that really needs to be spoken about we are talking student mental health i have with me chisha and sandra who have some amazing and informative information on student mental health yes student mental health and Catherine will be joining us in a little bit and we'll just, you know, introduce her when she comes in. Right. We're just going to jump in, ladies. Um, we've all said our highs and how are you? And after a long day of work, we're just going to jump in and have this necessary conversation that is not so easy to have. Now, Tisha, I'm going to start with you and just ask, what your personal experience, I know you, we were talking just now about generalized anxiety and a diagnosis that you have. How did you come about realizing that this is something that's all happening to you? How did you get diagnosed? So if you can just share a little bit about that. Sure. Hi, everyone. I think with, with regards to my GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, I was going through a time, um, I think from uni, when I realized that a lot of things would heighten my anxiety levels. And I would spend weeks on end thinking about the stuff, um, sometimes even a month. And you know, you get comments like, but just forget about it. It's not a big issue. It, you shouldn't think about this anyway. It's not that deep. But it would really be an issue because I would be having night sweats. You know, sometimes, you know, it affects my sleeping. Um, my stomach is uneasy. Um, and for a long time, I was trying to figure out, is this normal? Maybe everyone goes through this. Um, but then I got into a stressful job. It's very high, like high demanding. And I was trying to then find the balance um, of what was going on in my mental state and, you know, work wise. Um, and I decided before, like, you know, what, I'm just going to go ahead and seek for help. Um, and I did go for therapy. And of course, I had no idea what it was because it's not like um, anyone had talked to me about it or we, we had a certain, you know, notion to, to this actually being an issue. I thought it was normal. Um, so after my first two classes, um, my sessions rather, 
uh, yeah, then I was told this is what it is and this is how you could go about helping yourself and this is how um, we could help you as a mental institution. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. You know, you said something that a lot of people don't want to deal with and that's therapy. But we'll get a bit more into that and what it means and ooh, all the gist around therapy. Sandra, I'd like for you to mm -hmm. just Tell us some of your hats that you wear, because I know you wear quite a few hats when it comes to dealing with mental health, student mental yeah. health, with a lot of projects that you are juggling right now. Please, if you can just share those. Okay, um, maybe we'll begin by talking about my own experience, lived experience. So I come from a home where there was lots of domestic violence. I don't know how many people are frank enough to talk about that. Well, for me, it was quite a hassle to deal with. It affected my mental health to a pause to, to some extent. Um, I can say I suffered from a depression that was never diagnosed as early as when I was maybe 12, only discovered I had this problem when I was completing my secondary school. That was maybe seven years later. So at personal level, I had this experience that was quite excruciating, having parents that are separated, having to deal with a stepmom who was not welcoming in our home. Um, on its own, it kind of had a toll on my mental health. So from that angle, I kind of realized there are many people that are going through stuff and no one really just understands what's going on, not even the individual going through the process. So away from that, I knew I needed to find a way to help other people who could be going through what I went through without realizing it was a mental health situation. Um, with time, I lost a brother who had a mental health problem, so to say. He was murdered. We didn't understand what led to that. I also got inspiration to say it's possible someone can actually lose their lives if we don't deal with the real issues that are underlying their physical complaints. Sometimes they'll be isolated. Sometimes they'll just stop engaging in all the things they used to enjoy at the time. You never know what exactly could be causing that. It's only after I went through my training as a mental health nurse, only then did I realize there's a lot of work that needs to be done as regards as mental health awareness and sensitization is concerned. From there, I got inspiration, established the NGO Michelo Mental Care, which I earlier alluded to as having this core purpose of simply promoting mental health, as well as taking away the myths that are attached to the mental health that people may actually be suffering from. So away from being the founder and the director for Michelo Mental Care, I am <laughs> an international youth parliament ambassador to Zambia. I represent the mental health fraternity as well. That's one of some areas that kind of exposed me to a lot of situations that are happening in our country, a lot of situations at global level where you really understand the challenge that comes with mental health um, illiteracy, where people do not understand what's going on, but there's a problem going on and we just don't have an idea how to tackle it. Away from the International Youth Parliament, I, I subscribe to the... Um, let me summarize it to say I'm a nurse. By virtue of being a mental health nurse, there are quite a number of platforms I sit on. It's one of the places where I have a lot of attention as well. Seeing mental health from the primary healthcare level 
up to the secondary as well as tertiary. So I deal with looking at mental health before it finally sets in. I deal with mental health when we are dealing with um, acute symptoms, as well as helping people get rehabilitated and get reintegrated back to society where they can at least function, if not up to their optimal level, at least to some level of independence where they don't have to be um, in a place of disability, completely relying on another person. So I'm trying to say I live to a place where you see someone get well, get ill, get rehabilitated, and help them function away from everything that's going on. So there are many hats that I put on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a lot going on. But you know what? We appreciate people like you because we need a lot of people who understand what it actually means and what it entails. I'm just going to go back to um, Chisha and I want to dive in a bit more on, um, you know, the therapy part. I know there are many common mental health challenges that students face and you mentioned that you know you started noticing or feeling overwhelmed with the job that you do and um I'd assume also maybe towards the job that you are busy with maybe in uni while you're a student what are the common mental health challenges that you have picked up maybe with your peers or colleagues who are students you know students are it's a range of age yeah Yeah. what are the common mental health challenges okay so I think I'll start with when I was still in uni um I think it was my last semester and I knew like not um um, I need to go home because I wasn't based in Zambia at the time I was in uh, South Africa I was done and I knew I was having this breakdown which I didn't fully understand what was going on and it was the last, I think, the last two weeks of exams. And I, I, I reached up to you know, one of our lecturers to say, look, I don't think I'm going to study. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to study to my best ability. I'm, I'm not able to do that at the time. Because at that time, also, I was going through a lot of um, issues. So home-wise, personally-wise, family-wise. And they had an impact on me. The major issue I had at that point was... Um, I had reached out to someone I felt I could trust or someone who could then direct me to get help. But I felt more of a dismissal of, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just give you a pass on this unit of this course. Um, then you will graduate. Um, so you can just go home and, and you know, figure yourself out because you seem to be going through a lot. So essentially that was the first for me. I did try to go to the school counselor and it didn't work as well. It was more like a textbook, you know, arrangement. Say, how are you feeling? And it didn't fit me and what I was going through. So I just said, okay, moving on. I graduated. I came back home. And yeah, I think I still got a lot of feedback that was, I was shocked about it. And actually today I was trying to post something on LinkedIn around the fun stuff about, you know, sharing um, your mental situation with people and the feedback you actually get. So one of the things I've noticed is once you're open enough to say, look, this is what I'm going through and you're actually reaching out for help because the reason I am sharing the story is, you know, I need someone to help me. Um, and most times people don't know where to go. Um, you get feedback like you'll be okay. It's not that deep, etc. And also should 
God forbid you're not feeling well. Like this recently happened to me that I wasn't feeling well. And I was pretty much told, um, and it had nothing to do with my anxiety, by the way, just, you know, migraine issues. And I was told, oh, is this, does this have to do with your anxiety? So also it becomes like, are you, are you mocking me? Are you trying to help me? So there's been that feedback as well. Um, so it's been quite difficult to, to get peers to understand. And even when you do reach out to the people who, in, in my uni situation, this is a lecturer who is dealing with multiple students um, who might not all be at the same level mentally. They might all be going through different things. The idea then would be that this lecturer should be able to identify even small little you know, bits of, of anxiety or anything and then redirect you um, to where you need to go. But that for me didn't happen. Yeah, you know, oof, I picked up so many things that I think it uh, draws me into now putting it into context, especially as Africans and the stigma that lies around mental um, health challenges, whether it be for students or just everyday people, adults, uh, whoever that's not in, in, in school and getting an education, university, whatever it may be. Um, I know when uh, uh, growing up, people who would be diagnosed with depression and, you know, anxiety, it was, it was somewhat of a mockery to them you know in a home you'll find oh uh, they, they, they 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 they're struggling they're at home or they're in their bedroom or whatever and people will be like oh depression becomes even their name you know depression there there's depression there's there's anxiety mm, don't talk to anxiety you know so um how do we uh, uh, uh sandra you said something about illiteracy when it comes to mental health how do we close that gap because I do believe that this illiteracy comes also, or it's perpetuated by the stigma of mental health. How do we go over that hurdle? Sandra? It's, quite, um, it's a big milestone we have to achieve, but we have no two ways about it. We just have to get to a point where people should be free to talk about their mental health problems. Any, any minute someone will say, I have malaria, I have hypertension, but nobody wants to own up when they have mental health problems. So if we are to really deal with that gap, that hurdle, it should start with self-acceptance, self-awareness. You, the person going through stuff, validate your feelings. Because like Chisha said, it's possible you may seek help from someone and they will not just understand what you're going through. So be the one to validate yourself. Your feelings are valid. No one will take away that thing from you. The moment you know what you're going through is a problem, whether people accept it or not, you take it upon yourself to find ways to deal with it better. I remember getting to feel worse after I sought for help at some point. I said, I have something on my throat. This is me at the clinic, a government clinic, reporting my symptoms of depression. I had what we call medically uh, hystericus globus, where you feel a lump on your throat throughout, whatever you do doesn't go away. I reported my symptom and the clinician says, you're just pregnant. We know how you teenage girls behave. I was crushed. So if we are not going to validate our feelings, chances are high we'll be getting hurt even the more when we seek help from others. So first things first, accept your problem. It's a problem. Don't go behind the memes. Don't go behind 
making jokes. If you are not well, you are not well, accept it and that's final. Secondly, when you seek help and you don't feel helped, that's not the end. Whenever there's a closed door somewhere around, there should be a floodgate. Use the floodgate, seek the help. Just because one person let you down may not mean no one else will listen. There are people who are genuine enough to help you and will see past your tears, they'll see past your fake smile. Many times we don't know where this right person will be, but it's about having a right platform. We have counselors, we have all these bloggers on social media who may genuinely look out for anyone who needs help. If we are to deal with mental health, stigma, illiteracy, let's look for the right people who may help. I know there are many people who are really willing to offer the counseling here and there. Of course, some are not professional, but if they are willing, let's get it from there. It may make a big difference. Secondly, community awareness and sensitization. If everyone is business, the media should be there to support this cause. As bloggers, we should be there to support the cause. As individuals in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, starting from home, let the children know it's okay to not be okay. Once a child understands that when they go out, they face something that is quite devastating or humiliating, they'll come back to mommy, they'll come back to daddy. I had this challenge and they'll talk about it within the family circles, things will start making sense. As long as we don't talk about it at home, it won't be spoken in public and that will be a problem. So the best therapy we can have for this illiteracy, let's start by sensitizing our homes from the homes in our workplaces. In the workplaces, it will go on social media. Everyone will come to know about it and it will be easy to deal with it. Otherwise, it's not an easy task at the moment. We have a lot of gaps to fill in. We have a lot of advocacy to achieve. I'm positive we are making strides as a country. We are making strides at global level, but we could do better really. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's time to stop with the comments of boys don't cry and things like that or of that line or of that nature rather. If I can throw this back to you and I would like for Chisa to show to to share her experience after you 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 explain this. Is initially when you were talking about what you do and 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 what it involves, you spoke about symptoms and it sounded like there are different types of symptoms that could present themselves uh, with a person who is um, having mental health problems. So you said something about acute symptoms. Please explain to us who don't know the proper English, make it simple so that my people who are listening will understand what are these symptoms and what to look out for. We might help a family member, a friend, a colleague, what are the symptoms? Okay, like you said, uh, clinical pictures are quite unique. They are peculiar from person to person and not one person will present exactly as the other one. That is just a disclaimer. What I'm feeling today when I'm depressed may not be what another person is feeling. Generally, we have what we call typical and atypical signs and symptoms, meaning some things will be what is expected. For example, if I'm hurt or if I'm depressed, Maybe you may expect me to lose my appetite. That's a typical symptom. We may have the atypical ones where you have excessive appetite. So generally the presentation may vary from typical to atypical. But if we are to talk about the real presentation of mental health, it will vary depending on the diagnosis we are dealing with. 
a diagnosis like depression, we expect someone losing interest in the issues or in the activities they once were having fun in. That's what we may call anhedonia. Sometimes they may lose the interest to socialize. They may take away all the interest in talking to people, the apathy part of it. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll present with insomnia. This insomnia may be terminal or initial, initial where the whole night you just stay awake, terminal where you sleep, maybe at midnight you are awake, at three you sleep, at four you are awake, where you have this break here and there. Sometimes it will be because you are thinking, other times it's because the brain can't just rest. So that's for uh, a fairly common depression episode. For anxiety, you find someone panicking, they may have palpitations, they may have lumps on their throat. Sometimes they may be excessively sweating. Sometimes they may be obsessed about a fear or a certain concern that even if you try to talk them out, they'll still be obsessed about it. Sometimes they'll just have all these negative thoughts about themselves. We have anxiety that comes from having a negative body image. They will be so obsessed about their weight. They will be so obsessed about their body shape. They will be so obsessed about how they speak. How do I appear in front of a crowd? How do I speak when I have this podium ahead of me? It's all these small, small things which may appear okay, but they're a bit exaggerated in anxiety. So unlike in depression where the symptoms may actually look like negative, in anxiety, they may be the normal experiences of everyday life, but they're a bit exaggerated not because someone wants to exaggerate, but because they're exaggerated. Of course, common sense would be like, that girl is just hysterical, she's an attention seeker. The real feeling is that girl is having anxiety and it could be worse. So deal with it, unlike judging them to say they're hysterical, they're attention seekers. It's true, some people will be attention seekers, but what if they're not actually seeking attention, they're seeking help from you? So that's the anxiety part of the symptoms. Those are quite acute acute in that it's things you can see are going wrong at the time. We have mental illness that may present in form of a psychosis. A psychosis meaning things go wrong within you, you lose your perception to reality, you start perceiving things wrongly. Things like schizophrenia, of course, for the sake of the discussion, we just break it down to say you may start hearing or smelling or feeling or all the body senses get to have a distortion. So this is where you find people seeing things that are not there, believing things that are not there, the delusions, the hallucinations, as well as the fact that some people may just have abnormal behavior. They'll start undressing in public. They'll start speaking aloud. They'll start singing aloud. All those are quite acute symptoms. For the chronic symptoms, mostly it will come because the acute symptoms we are not dealt with. Those are the people you may find on the streets because the primary phase of it was not dealt with. They ended up having the symptoms and lastly, they didn't get treated. There's hope even if one is in the chronic symptoms. Why? Because some of the mental illness can actually be dealt with. If others are not being dealt with, we have rehabilitation centers around. People can access the help if they've gotten to that stage. The good news is most of the time we see the acute symptoms. If we can deal with the acute symptoms, even the better. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Yes. So, but you know what? I understand. As much as I am not a health uh, practitioner and I am not a nurse, I think you broke it down to the level that an everyday person can understand. Catherine, thank you for joining us. I'm going to come to you in just a moment. 
Trisha, in just a few sentences, if you can share what you noticed in yourself, just a few symptoms that you picked up, the things that you are now starting to do that you are not essentially doing that told you, okay, I really do have anxiety mm -hmm. or whatever that convinced you once you start, started the therapy that uh, assured or yeah, convinced you that you really are having anxiety disorder. Okay. So I think essentially I was having the night sweats and I, I didn't understand why it's, it's cold, it's freezing. And, you know, everyone's wearing warm stuff. I would be freezing, but then I would have night sweats. Um, also always having the worst possible scenarios of every situation I'm faced with. So I'll not have a positive view, even if it hasn't happened, it might not even happen. I will just think of the possible negative um, outcome of any situation. And some of these situations may not even be my situations. Um, I think apart from that, I also spent a lot of time thinking. Like, so instead of sleeping, I'd be thinking constantly of stuff that might happen as well. And so even when it was time to sleep, I felt like my brain was never shutting down. I was constantly tired. Um, not to say that the journey has, you know, has ended. Uh, I'm still going through that sometimes, but I am able to identify to say this is because of this and how do I shut it down and what can I do to help me um, battle that. Um, I think those were the main things that um, really did come out as, as my issues. Right. You. Okay. Um, I just thought of something, but before I even go to that other something, Catherine, hi, welcome. We are happy to have you. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can get you. Thank you. Yes, Catherine, I know you're an educator, right? So I want you to tell us your experience. If you can tell us the age that uh, the age of students that you deal with and how you've had an experience with mental health in your students. Have you ever been in a situation where you pick out a few things that are out of character and what happened then? How did it affect your uh, role as a teacher? As an educator, I deal with uh, children from seven, six years old to 12. So my experience has been uh, for the kids with six years old, you'd find that they come to school, maybe they're moody, you'd experience mood swings in this child where they don't feel like learning in, uh, that, on that particular day, they don't feel like doing anything. You'd find that even the, 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 the handwriting changes, they just do things out of this world. Like you, you tend to question, to say, what am I doing wrong? And what can I do to really help this child? So understanding a child like that, when I notice to say they're in this mood today, I look for activities that can interest them instead of forcing uh, the things that I have to do that are on the timetable on that particular day. Then in older kids, you find that I'm maybe 12 years old, they, they portray that behavior, this behaving in school. You'd find that they don't listen to anybody. They bully the friends. They have lost interest in any activity. You'd find that even uh, maybe the core curricular activities where you, you expect them to participate, they don't feel like participating. You'd find that they'll call off, you give them, for example, a lot, you're having maybe a school concert. You're expecting them to participate. 
at that particular, they can back off. It's a, it's a challenge when it comes to uh, teaching kids where you notice that they've got uh, some behavior disorders. You'll find that they bully their friends in school. They don't feel like sitting in school. Their attention is constantly uh, disturbed all the time. So you really have to be there, give them uh, different activities that may be of interest to them for you to help them to learn better. But it has been a challenge dealing with kids with uh, mental disorders or mental challenges. Uh, at some point, I dealt with a kid with autism. You'd find that they just can't sit in one place. They can't do anything. So you really have to know the activities that are suitable for those kids. Like, you know, just pay attention to one task. So it, it has been a challenge dealing with, uh, with kids who are facing some mental challenges. But it's a good journey where you just put in your heart to help these kids learn in a better way possible. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I am happy to have heard that, you know, it's the teaching that gets adjusted and the approach to the students' um, learning that gets changed as to having the child conform to the environment because I believe we are past a stage where, or a time where you just had to do what you are told and that, that. Um, our education needs to move forward and somehow cater to these children in the best way possible. Now, I don't know who will be able to share on this next question. Anyone can jump in. Where do we think mental health issues stem from? Is it everyone has some sort of mental health issues? They are at a different degree for everyone or is it from traumatic experiences? Is it genetical? Where does it come from? I think for me, um, I think it varies for people. Some people have, it's genetic. Some people have uh, traumatic experiences um, that alter their, you know, their mental state. I think that's where I fall into that bracket. And um, yeah, I think it really varies from person to person. Um, I don't know, Sandra, um, if that's what it is. Thank you, Chisha, for adding on that. Uh, Sandra, before you answer the, the professional side, I want you to base it on your brother's experience because you, you you spoke a little bit about your brother and how you unfortunately lost him to mental illness so uh, mental health issues so if you can base that response onto that okay so from my family point of view my brother's incident was not so different from what many viewers here would be going through and their families and other community members my own situation, I would say my brother's case was purely psychological. He had a traumatic experience as a student. He was learning and coming from a broken home, we had it rough to transition into sober beings afterwards. The transition happened when he was in college and it wasn't easy for him to handle because he was quite more elderly than some of us who were quite young and at the mercy of our caregivers at that time. He was trying to be an adult, to be there for mom. It was so much for him as, an, as, a, as a young adult to be there for mom, 
as well as be there for us, the younger siblings. So the stress from studies, the stress trying to meet the grades, then come home, you have this broken family where things are quite hard. It's a less privileged family. It was quite hard for him based on the psychological aspect. Of course, he lost touch with most of his friends. He lost touch with almost all the avenues that could offer help. So if we had to find out what really happened with him, it was purely psychological. If I look back using the lenses of a nurse, but if I'm to really be abstract and open in a general view, what causes the mental health problems, we classify them in what we call a biopsychosocial triad, meaning there's an interplay of biological, psychological, and social factors. Sometimes it may entirely be physical, sometimes it may entirely be psychological, as in my brother's case, and at other times it can be social. In the worst case scenario, you may have all the three areas interplaying in one person. Biological, I'll give an example of maybe you have a brain injury. This brain injury affects a part of the brain that is supposed to help you in perceiving reality that predisposes you. Next minute, you have this traumatic experience, maybe a divorce, maybe a loss of a loved one. You have the biological predisposition by, that, by virtue of having that brain injury. Then you have this second factor coming in the chances of you falling into a mental illness are very high because you have all these predisposing factors at play in your life. So sometimes the biological factors may come in and they'll clear. If it's an infection, you have an STI, you have it cleared. In future, because the infection really wasn't treated as it was supposed to, end up using substances that infection had infected a certain part of the brain, your mental illness pops in. Sometimes you have HIV, you don't treat it as it should. The virus ends up affecting your brain. Today you have a devastating situation. It just comes in one place. So it's not one factor all the time. It may be one factor that predisposed you and you led a normal life until another factor triggered the symptoms. Yeah, so it's possible you may be okay biologically, you may be okay socially, but psychologically you have a heartbreak that can trigger you to have the symptoms. In yeah. summary, it's everything we go through, the life experiences, our physical makeup, the brain chemicals, our habits, the social habits, including the addictions, smoking, abusing alcohol, all these may have an impact as single factors or as an interplay of all these factors. I don't know if it's Chisha or you who talked about everyone has a percentage, it just varies. I don't yeah, know I was asking if that could be the root. Yeah. Yeah. So from a professional aspect, we look at mental health as a continuum. There's one extreme oh. end, you are mentally healthy. The other extreme end, you are mentally ill. If today you disappoint me, I'm heartbroken, I may swing anywhere along this continuum. So not necessarily that everyone has a percentage, but we can say there's no immunization against mental illness. Anytime you can swing from normality to abnormality, what matters though are the factors that are inherent, e.g. a person's mental power, how you handle stress, sometimes your support network, sometimes how you perceive a threat. All these are the factors that differentiate, uh, okay, this person's normality is quite firm. This person went through divorce, they came out fair enough. 
the other person went through divorce, they ended up in Chinama hospital. It's because of the different strengths that we have. The strengths may be intrinsic, the strengths may be extrinsic. So depending on what is around you, some stressor may be dealt with differently. Not that we have different levels of normality, but now we swing anytime, anywhere along the continuum from mental health to mental illness. You can fall at any point, anywhere. That just became scary, but it's so true. <laughs> it became so scary, but it's so true. It's so true yeah. because even myself with the stress of work, of life, of you know, just being, you can feel days where you are a bit lower than you're supposed to to be or the way that you remember yourself to be. Catherine, have you ever had an experience with students where it just got out of control, a student had to be removed or had to be medicated? Or, or is it like um, situations where you are able to deal with the child as long as you adjust your teaching? Okay, thank you. Um experience that I've had is a child where a child was expelled from school because it got to a point where a child would fight with the teacher because they couldn't deal with their anger. So um, another experience is where you just have to deal with the child because uh, you can't uh, expel the child from school, but you just have to continue adjusting uh, the, the, the approach and the way you talk to, to the child. For example, when um, you know to say he goes to extremes, he, he doesn't want to be talked to, he can't listen to any advice. At that moment, you just have to let him uh, settle him down, look for ways and means to settle him down, and you continue the, the teaching and the learning process continues like that. So I've just had an experience where a child has been had, had to be expelled out of school because he couldn't control his anger and he would fight with, with teachers. Yeah, I'm also an educator. And that one just, you know, it hit home to me because currently I am dealing with a student like that, where it's quite difficult to uh, just learn their ways and know what to do and uh, see them as they dip into this change of behavior. Um, they are uh, they are mental health issue is more behavioral than anything else. It's not, um, or rather it's not clear if it also has some depression to it or, or anything else right now, it's just behavioral. And yeah, it's a lot for a teacher because we are not really trained in that manner. Yes, we are trained to, you know, to, to, to teach and be ready for different types of students, different types of learning styles. But as to a student fighting with you physically, we are not trained for that. And not because they are really like fighting you, but there's so much happening in their brain yeah. mm -hmm. that they can't really understand or put it into perspective and deal with it without, you know, the outburst. So, Hey, yeah, that one I really so, hear you. Yeah, like, like to, to, to just go back and uh, respond to uh, whether sometimes it can be psychological. Uh, you'd find that if you tend to ask the, the, the same students, the homes they are coming from, you'd find that maybe it's a broken home. You'd find that they are, they are, they are traumatized here and there. So like 
having to talk to these kids to find out what wrong, what, what really is wrong with them. You'd find that they are coming from a broken family, they're traumatized, they're abused verbally. And at school, maybe that's where they find uh, that space to just uh, bring out their anger like that. Yeah, so that has been my experience. Right, wow. So children or students in schools or environments and spaces around the world, it's not easy for them to be accepted. Sandra highlighted that, you know, in Zambia, we have Tainama. I don't know in the, in the UK what you have. Do we have enough places for people who are suffering from mental health illnesses here in Zambia as Africans um, supporting each other? Or is it for those who have the money for it, then they get the help for it? Because like, like it was explained earlier that it's of different degrees or different percentages and yeah. So Chisha, if you don't mind sharing where you got your treatment, was it what, what the, the place that was mentioned, Chinama, or was it something else? Was it private? And how did you find it? You, you shared how you found it initially, yes. but the one that you are yes. currently on. Yeah. Sure. So initially I had, um, I w- I, it was requested that I go to Chinama. Obviously I had one uh, episode initially before I even knew what was going on, uh, a breakdown. I went there and again, the feedback I got was a bit off. Um, It was like, you know, everyone's going through something and my niece went through something similar, yada, yada, yada. And then from there, I said, you know, this is not working and I didn't go back. Um, And then luckily for me, my employer um, does pay for um, private um, therapy sessions. Um, So I'm going to a private therapy uh, session on a monthly basis essentially before it was on uh, you know every other week and now it's on a monthly basis um but so for me i have experienced both ends and infrastructure wise the government side to me didn't work because it was i felt like it wasn't again it didn't fit to me personally i was being you know told there's another person going through this maybe you can do etc and it didn't feel like it was a fit or i wasn't being understood at the personal level so yeah, it's one of those where we do have a number of private institutions um, as well, but they come at a cost. So what that does, what does that mean then for an individual who doesn't have an employer who can pay, or they're not in employment? Um, that becomes an issue. Yeah, that's that's true. Oh, yeah, the money ne? sometimes oh so annoying. Anyway. <laughs> Ladies, we we almost coming to the end and I just want to take this moment and ask you to share last thoughts or last ideas of what could the everyday person who might not afford mental health help in, in the sense of professionals or like private hospitalization, what are the things that we could be taking care of in ourselves to improve at least, you know, our mental state on a day-to-day basis. Sandra, I'll start with you and then everybody will just get a turn to just say those last thoughts of 
just an advice idea of what are those things that we can do just to continuously improve our mental state or those of people around us? Uh, thanks for that. Um, maybe we should appreciate that what works for one person may not work for the next. I may just try to highlight what I've seen work for many of the people I've dealt with and what I keep encouraging. It may not always be a one shoe fits all side um, arrangement. So if we are to accept that mental health, mostly the ones that we are able to see are a result of stress, meaning stress is gonna be the first thing we have to deal with. Depression will have its stem from stress. Almost everything wrong that we will see in a student, everything wrong that we will see in someone throwing a tantrum, it will be because they are stressed in one way or the other. So dealing with stress will be of paramount help to any person how do we deal with stress in the first place? Um, accept who you are. Much of the stress comes because you want to be like the other person. Accept who you are if you're not okay, if you're not strong enough at that time, if you're broken at that time, that's you. And no other person should look like you and not you should feel like another person. Know who you are, accept who you are. If you are a student, you are in school, you see your friends coming with an iPhone 13 Pro Max, and your parents can only afford an ITIL, deal with an ITIL, that's what you can manage at that time. You don't need the stress of trying to beat the standards. If you are a student failing to manage your time, prioritize your studies. If you fail to manage your studies, chances are high you may be stressed and that's a recipe for mental illness. So instead of you watching Big Brother Africa, when your mates are watching Big Brother, set time for yourself. If you are a slow learner, accept who you are, know yourself. You have to prioritize your studies because another person may grasp in a, in a minute what you may grasp in an hour. So while you know yourself, prioritize your needs very well. Be wise in the process. Just because you are socially disadvantaged, you come from a home where you can't afford internet connection, doesn't mean you should waste your money on buying the latest Brazilian hair on the market, you will find that when you graduate, you'll find that when you're done dealing with everything else. So focus, prioritize your needs, prioritize your stress. Your friends are dealing with sugar daddies. You also want to deal with the sugar daddy and the wife that's hunting for you. That's stress, unnecessary pressure on yourself. If you can stay away from relationships, if you can't find them while you are studying, if you can stay away from unhealthy relationships, if you can't find them while you're working, in whatever you're doing, set your priorities right. What is not worth fighting for, it's not worth fighting for. It will just cost your mental health for nothing and you could do without yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah, so no. Accept who you are. Accept who you are. That's it. Catherine. Yeah, okay. Uh, whatever. I appreciate whatever Sandra said because I feel like I can tell a young child to think like that. At a young age, if you start thinking like that, I think you grow up an adult who is responsible for a person you, you take care of you. So for me, I, I, would, I would start teaching children to know themselves at their young age, to know their emotions and how to deal with them. Like I do every day um, when I notice to say a child is in a mood, uh, a, a negative uh, mood, I would tell them to say, oh, you're feeling like this. This is what you have to do if you're feeling like this. So 
I have to tell them it's not the end of the world when you feel like this. The world has to go on, even as much as you feel low, you feel uh, you feel you're feeling bad today. You feel like not doing this today. So the world has to continue. It's still a beautiful place. It's still a beautiful world. I think Chisha, for you, you bring a, a very different uh, perspective because this is what you go through this is what you do mm. each and every day so if you can just share what it is that you do on a day-to-day to just keep yourself in check you know sure I think for me now I'm spending a lot of time talking about what I'm going through so I decided this year okay I'm gonna go on LinkedIn and post about you know this is what I'm going through and I know there's someone out there going through similar And I did get some people in my inbox saying, look, I think I have this issue. I just don't know what to do with it. Um, So apart from me identifying who I am and what I'm going through and managing the journey, it's also been about helping the next person. I've taken a lot of time to either um, take the weekend off if I'm feeling overcharged and I just need to, you know, reset. So that means me being at home, watching TV, spending time with my daughter spending time with people that I I feel, you know, I love and they're always there for me, like my sister. Um, Apart from that, also just knowing when to tone down uh, with regards to any assignment. Um, Started my master's, it was a bit crazy initially. Um, Then I got into a a promotion. I told myself, okay, I'm going to hold on my master's for this um, semester and then pick it up when I feel more comfortable in my role. So identifying that it's okay to say, let me hold on this because I'm feeling overwhelmed. And also spending time being kind to people. Because you always assume, you know, it's it's small things. I don't know what the next person is going through. How are you doing? How's your day going? And just hearing them out. um, I've realized that sometimes I would be having a bad day and someone would have done that to me. So there's nothing stopping me from doing it to the next person because they might be going through a similar um, situation. Yeah, no. And that, our beautiful listeners, is some beautiful gems, worthy gems for you to use. And I think I will say to everyone that is listening or that will be listening and watching, you are the only version there is of you out there in the world. And therefore only you can take care of you. So be the best version. I am the the third, and this was the Educated Africana. Thank you and bye. Be part of the solution. Talking is not enough. We need action. So I am challenging you today. What are you going to do about what you just heard? Tell us all about it on social media. Tag at Africana Women or hashtag Educated Africana. The Educated Africana is part of the Africana Women podcast network. Subscribe, review, and share this episode to help us keep the conversation going. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at Africana Woman or hashtag EducatedAfricana. Catch you next week.